This is 105.9 The Region, and you're listening to Discovery, the radio show for podcasters. Your content, unfiltered. This is Discovery. You're listening to the Millennial Balance Podcast, part of the Discoveries block exclusively on 105.9 The Region. I'm Afia Ba. And I'm Chalisa Bacchus. Welcome back. And it's summer. I know it's not officially summer, but mm. it's starting to feel like summer outside. Finally. Finally. And- you know what it hit? Like, as soon as it hit double digits, like, the sun was out for more than three hours. I'm like, I know. <laughs> I know. We had, we had a good week <laughs> yeah. without any rain. I loved it. I love it. I'm here for it. And you know what? If you are actually looking to take a vacation, we might have some suggestions for you. So Lawn Starter has compiled a list of the most glamorous cities. And joining us to talk about that is Editor-in-Chief Jeff Herman. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for joining us. All right, let's start off with why and when did Lawn Starter start this ranking? Lone Star started this ranking about three years ago. This is our third time doing this annual survey. And well, when you think about glamorous cities, you think about a big, big house, a really, really huge yard, well manicured. And well, that's what Lone Star is all about, is well manicured lawns. So it kind of makes sense for us to do the study story. Although I would be the first to say that I don't live a very glamorous lifestyle myself. This is not me, but there are people who love this kind of thing. And this is one of those places where you you get to kind of see what it is like to live the lifestyles of the rich and famous. Well, that's for sure. I mean, we're millennials. We come from the land of Instagram culture. Mm -hmm. And obviously, we want to know where everybody's going to take these lit Instagram photos, because it's definitely not here. Well, uh, let me go ahead and give you a quick rundown of our top 10. That's New York is number one. Los Angeles is number two. San Francisco is number three. Four is Miami. Five is Chicago. Las Vegas is number six. And Houston's number seven. Atlanta's eight. Dallas, where I live, is number nine. And Washington, D.C. is number 10. So, Jeff, I I have to ask here, where's the Canadian love? (laughs) Yeah, I I wish I was able to find that, but we only surveyed the 200 largest cities in the United States. But I did some research to try and figure out what I would consider to be the top five uh, most glamorous cities in Canada. So if I were going to go to that right away, I'd say that I would go with Toronto, number one, and Montreal, number two. Vancouver, number three, Quebec at number four, and Ottawa at number five. And you want to know why one, two, and three? Well, that's because there were real housewives of Toronto and Montreal and Vancouver. Whether they're still on the air or not, they actually had that in in the U.S. That was one of the weighted factors for our ranking of the most glamorous cities. Did you have a real housewife set in your city? Because that's what people associate with glamorous real housewives and those particular uh, lifestyles of the rich and famous housewives of those particular cities. That is that is super interesting. Never would I th- have thought that the housewives would have this much pull on something. It's a big deal. And then you have to have fine dining. You also have to have art, theater and film and big luxury stores, everything from jewelry to uh, watches. I don't wear much of a watch anymore, just my Fitbit. But, you know, you have to have these glamorous things that people are looking for. Uh, high-end retailers, and then at the same time, uh, maybe those million-dollar homes and private airports, boarding schools, equestrian clubs, country clubs, uh, all those kind of things that are the top echelon of people love to have around. So I was just going to ask that in terms of the methodology into 
putting this ranking together. So of course that glamorous lifestyle, clearly <laughs> glamorous is that number one thing, but you're just right. The sort of the, the country clubs, the big mansions, the aesthetics that go around it, the lifestyle that can sort of support that, the amenities, if you will, that surround that sort of big mansion lifestyle is probably what is going into helping to form this list. Was there anything that was sort of like a close cut, but didn't quite make it? Uh, we couldn't really find a place where you could find butlers per city or nannies per city. But you know, you, this is one of those things that those high-end families do have. So trying to find those uh, things that are part of a glamorous lifestyle. And then just the high-end fashion brands. That's part of this too. You want to make sure you've got sort of a fashion in your city and sort of those those really ritzy, ritzy retailers. So you mentioned fashion, you mentioned the housewives. What other factors go into determining what makes a city glamorous? What other methodologies are there for deciding? We looked at the million dollar homes and the average income for the people who live in those homes. So that's why you're able to figure out where is the upper crust and who is the upper crust in a particular city. And then we've profiled all of the things that it takes for those upper crust residents to be able to have the lifestyle that they want. And, you know, it's it's cars, it's Bentley, it's McLaren, it's Lamborghini. I'm in Texas, so Teslas are kind of, you know, all over the place. So they used to be kind of a big deal. Now they're not. Hummers are still kind of a big deal, particularly if you get one of those electric Hummers out there. So, you know, there are so many different ways that you can show that you are living the dream, whether it's a yacht or, you know, maybe you have a movie theater in your house. Maybe you have an indoor pool in your house or, you know, maybe on your grounds you have tennis courts or basketball court, like one of the big, uh, millionaires in Indianapolis did years ago, he had an indoor basketball court. Or, you know, now if you're going to be really trendy and you're in Miami, you would have a backyard pickleball court. If that, <laughs> if that doesn't scream glamour, I don't know what does. <laughs> so while you were while you were mentioning those things, Jeff, when you were like Tesla and I'm like, mm, to I can afford a Toyota, <laughs> possibly. Barely. And then maybe a Hummer when I'm like, no, what do you, I'm like, do you, maybe you mean Hyundai. So I know... <laughs> You were talking about like really luxurious cars, but like, even though I know I'm probably not going to be in this price range, could you just give me like an income, like price range, give me a dollar figure just to really hit it home. Oh my gosh. You know, these are not my kind of cars. I actually drive a uh, Hyundai myself. So uh, I do know that for another study story, we did that uh, Tesla is going like for $67,000, $76,000. So, you know, that's why it's not such a big deal as those Lamborghinis, which I'm guessing are about $125,000 for a Lamborghini. And I do see those somewhere, you know, sometimes around here in Dallas, but, you know, you just don't want to hit one of those because you can't imagine what it would cost to have those repaired. They're like that back to the future kind of car with the the uh, sides uh, doors that come up into the uh, come up into the air. They're just really, really cool cars. But uh, man, they're way out of my league, too. Yeah. I mean, never mind trying to buy one. But what about maintaining it? And I mean, let me ask you this. If somebody wants to glamorize their lifestyle and maybe move to one of the cities on this list, what, how much do you think they need to have saved up, first of all? And then how do they maintain that glamorous lifestyle? 
Well, the biggest thing is you got to have the money already there. So I'm guessing millions of dollars that you can draw upon so that you can live that lifestyle. And then one thing that really helps is to have some sort of passive income. So maybe you're moving to Miami, but you have houses all over where you're renting those homes and that money's coming in to continue to wind up fueling your lifestyle. Or if you have investments and your investments are doing really well, um, you know, perchance you bought Budweiser stock before it was bought by the Brazilian uh, brewing giant then you did really well with Budweiser stock. So you have to try and figure out how you can come up with that money still driving your income. And if it's stocks, if it's bonds, whatever it is that's going to work for you so that you continue to have that money so that you can spend. You mentioned, Jeff, that this, you said you guys have been doing this sort of uh, list for the past three years. Has there been any city that has sort of dropped off your list maybe over the past three years that um, that could be maybe a bit of a surprise or has it sort of been virtually the same it, it's virtually the same but the number one has shifted so first time it was san francisco second time was miami now it's new york so you know basically the names have changed but the positions are kind of similar so you know it, it's not all that different from year to year to year there's one study story that went out this past week best cities from mardi gras and st louis was number one last year because of course new orleans doesn't really count because of course that's number one but st louis was number two and then it dropped to like number nine nothing's changed in st louis it's a big deal for mardi gras in st louis so that's what you try and do is when you have these study stories from year to year try and make sure that there's nothing that really really changed a whole lot and if there is why did that really change because that's a really cool story yeah and and let me ask you how do the rankings of these cities compare to other studies and other lists from let's say other countries like what about uh japan or places in europe that are super glamorous uh what you find is that you have the four fashion capitals i think it's milan and paris and new york and i forgot the fourth one but these kind of cities always make it on these glamorous cities lists all over the world and then you also have Depending on the region of the world, you have glamorous cities there, like, as you said, Tokyo or all those different cities that you have around the world. That's how you wind up coming up with these. But fashion capitals are a big deal around the world. And then you also have to figure out where people are traveling to the jet set community. And if you're taking a big jet set plane or a private plane, you're probably going to Paris. You might be going to London. You're probably going to these kinds of cities where they're a really huge draw and they've got all the amenities that you want when you get there. On the list, when you were mentioning them, most of them are sort of like warmer climate areas. Is that also sort of like a factor too? Like, I mean, or is there one that's just oddly like extremely cold and it's like it still made the list? Well, New York did make the top of the list. So that's kind of a difference. But in most cases, yes, you do see a lot of things with Atlanta is on the list. And then you have Dallas in the list and in Miami. So I think what you see there is just more of an attention on beauty and bronze and bronze colored skin in terms of sun tanning. And, you know, that's part of it, too. You want to look like you look like you're a million bucks, too. That just that just took me back to the Jersey Shore days of the gym tan laundry. I don't know why that just that clicked. But I mean, hey, I guess that is kind of connected to New York when you think about it. Absolutely. When you have any sort of way in New York, you absolutely have to get your tan because you don't get a whole lot of sun like you do in Miami. So you just have to make sure that you have that really great look to go along with uh, your lifestyle. Miami, one thing to remember about Miami is it's number one for plastic surgeons per square mile. So, you know, that's another thing we looked at was plastic surgeons and, you know, the the doctors who help you to make really 
make you look really beautiful too. And spas, you have to have spas too. You know, whether it's male or female, you want to make sure that you can have a place where you can pamper yourself. We're all about the pampering. We need that. I could yeah. go for a mani-pedi right now. I don't know about you. <laughs> oh, yeah, girl. My feet are crying. <laughs> my feet are crying. I just want to go back to that New York one just a little bit because you're saying that they've sort of been going back and forth between the top three. Why do you think New York hit the top, I believe, number one this year, considering it's the colder climate and Miami's a bit more, maybe might be a bit more glamorous um, and San Francisco too. So what sort of pushed New York on the top of the list? I think you have to think that we've come out of COVID. And part of that is that the economy is a little bit stronger in many of those places than it was previously. So New York was really hit by COVID. So now you've got all these stores back. You've got all the stores open again, all the high-end stores, all those breakfast at Tiffany's, um, the Waldorf Hotel, Park Avenue, all of these things that are New York, they're roaring back. And people haven't been there for a long time. So this year, you know, people did Christmas, Rockefeller Center, the Rockettes, all of those kind of things. So it's back and it's bigger than ever. Miami never quite had uh, quite the big impact that COVID did up, up in New York. So I think that's what you're seeing is New York is back strong. And Miami is the way it's always been. And Los Angeles is kind of the way it's always been, too. Jeff, before we let you go, if you could recommend one city where you think millennials would thrive the best off this list, what would you say? Well, you know, I'm in Dallas and I'm kind of a, a surprised how much I really love it here. And millennials, you got to have glamour. You got to have things that you can do, lots of places for parties, drinks, food, and it's affordable. So, you know, try and make sure you've got an affordable lifestyle. And the one thing that I'm so impressed with here is mass transit. I can take the train any place I want to go because they've got a mass transit system that is incredible. So, you know, I love it here and the arts all over the place. There's there's Mustangs that are giant life-size Mustangs that look like they're running through a creek. Beautiful, beautiful parts of Dallas that you don't think about. And it's just, I, I love it here. And I think more people, would, if check out Dallas, it's a great place to live. Well, there's your plug for Dallas. You know what? I'm going down. We're going to Dallas. I'm down. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Pack your bag. Summer trip. <laughs> We're going. We might not come back. And just one of those crazy things that most people don't realize about Dallas is Thanksgiving. It's one of the really cool things I like to do. There's a Thanksgiving square in downtown Dallas. And it's one of those things I like to do on Thanksgiving is just go to Thanksgiving Square. And I take the train down there and they've got a chapel. They've got, you know, a park. It's just a beautiful, beautiful place to go on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving Square. I love that. All right, Jeff Herman, Editor-in-Chief at Lawn Starters. Thank you so much for joining us. And I'm feeling the glamour over here. I don't know about you, Afwa. Oh, I already feel the warmth. Like, I'm already, I'm already, like, closing my eyes and just dreaming of all of these places, starting with Dallas, <laughs> where I'm going to be going. <laughs> well, that was a great discussion about everything that's happening in the States and all of the great places to discover, but we want you to explore some of the places right here at home. So coming up after the break, we have uh, some great places that you can visit right here in the province of Ontario. Stick around. Do you have an idea or a podcast to share? Send it to us here at Discovery, the radio show for podcasters on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to the Millennial Balance Podcast right here on 105.9 The Region. It's finally, finally starting to feel like summer. The sun is shining. We're getting some warmer temperatures. And we talked about some glamorous cities south of the border. But now it's time to bring it back home and talk about what we can discover in Ontario. And joining us to talk about that is Lisa Sefton from Destination Ontario. How are you, Lisa? I'm fine. Thank you. I'm so excited to help guide you through making the most of this summer in Ontario. 
Yes, I have been like ticking off the days on my calendar. I'm like, okay, 45 more days until summer, 45, 44, four, I can count, but <laughs> technically it's not even summer. I was just like 44 days until like whenever we hit 20 plus degrees. So you're our ultimate guide to making sure that we get as much as we can out of the beautiful places um, to explore across the province. Absolutely. I mean, there's so much to do and so many activities and so many ways to vacation in Ontario. I wanted to start off by just talking about some attractions that are available to, for you to visit. I mean, there's the well-known places like Canada's Wonderland and Ripley's Aquarium in Toronto, and of course, the CN Tower, you know, all of these iconic experiences that, you know, pretty much always, like almost everybody knows about. But I want to talk about two really cool new experiences in Ontario, or new-ish. I say new-ish because a lot of these experiences tried to open, you know, during the pandemic and, and it made it difficult. So now they're kind of open and in full swing. The first one, have you ever heard of Little Canada? No. Oh. Okay. So this is literally a miniature scale of Canada. Little Canada is located at Young and Dundas, right, you know, in the heart of Toronto, downtown Toronto. But it was named a top attraction of the year. And it really is a see it to believe it attraction. And I can say that because I just visited there <laughs> earlier this week. And I was kind of blown away because it is highly detailed and animated in the most realistic way from the movements of different things in the, the miniature model scales on um, headlights and brake lights on cars and sounds, even the lighting, um, some downtown condos. So for example, Toronto is one of the mini cities in this minute in little Canada and some of the condo buildings at night actually show like little condos, the lights turning off as if like some mini person inside is like flicking the switch kind of thing. So it's kind of neat. Um, it has a, a real uh, 24 hour cycle that lasts seven minutes. So you can see, you know, the sunrise and this really beautiful dusk time. And then you see daytime and then the sun sets and then these models come to life. Um, right now you can see Niagara Falls, Toronto, Golden Horseshoe. They even have Petit Quebec that's set in the snow. And opening soon is um, Little East Coast. So if you want to see an amazingly detailed version of Canada, this is a must see. And you can even make a mini model of yourself. So you go in this 3D camera and it takes a picture of you and then they miniaturize yourself. So you become this like little tiny model and you can actually place that model inside little Canada. So that way you can live there forever. So it's kind <laughs> of cool. It definitely exceeded my expectations when I went. So that's pretty exciting. Um, another new experience um, is in actually Niagara Falls. Um, it's called the New Tunnel Experience at the Niagara Parks Power Station. So you literally descend 180 feet below the station and you make your way into this long 2200 foot tunnel and you learn all sorts of fascinating details about Niagara's um, story of power and how the tunnel was ex excavated with just lanterns and shovels back in the day. So it's sort of a historic, you know, for the history buffs out there, it's really a, a neat experience. And at the end of the tunnel is this beautiful viewing platform um, of Niagara Falls. Like it's absolutely beautiful. So it's one of these experiences that if you're in the Niagara region this summer, it's it's something that you can visit. Um, we have a list of all sorts of attractions on our website at destinationontario.com. But you can also go right to Attractions Ontario. Um, attractionsontario.ca is a great resource for finding tours, festivals and events. And you can even download coupons like two for one coupons or 
50% off admission coupons. So it's a great resource to go to. I, I do recall, I believe when um, the underground exhibit now at Niagara Falls, when it when it opened, I mean, long lineup. So I do probably believe this summer too, it's going to be one of the major places to visit this year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, right in that one location, you can go to Journey Behind the Falls, you can see the inside of the Niagara Parks power station, and now you can go down this new tunnel. So there's so much to do in that area to begin with, but right in that one hub, there's those three experiences. Amazing. And Lisa, you know, when you think about Ontario, this is where we live. This isn't necessarily somewhere we think we could find a resort of any sort, but I feel like you have some options for that. Yeah, you don't have to leave the province to get a really great resorting experiences. So there's 100 resorts, boutique hotels and lodges all across Ontario. And there's definitely a resort for everyone. So you can really customize your vacation experience depending on what you like to do. For example, if you're a golfer, Ontario has a lot of golf resorts that include stay and pay packages. There's Cobble Beach near Owen Sound, Rocky Crest Golf Course in Muskoka, um, Egan Ridge in Kawartha Lakes area. There's way more than that, but I'll just stick with a couple just to give you an idea. Um, if you're looking for resorts that have a variety of activities, Horseshoe Resort, just north of Barrie. If you're into mountain biking, is Ontario's only lift-operated downhill mountain biking resort. If you like to do that kind of thing, they have 14 trails ranging from beginner to advanced. They also have a mini putt, 12-hole golf course. So not a 9 or an 18, but a 12-hole golf course. Uh, they have water activities at Lake Horseshoe. There's also nearby Veta Spa, a true Finnish hydrotherapy experience with saunas, outdoor pools, hot tubs. Um, there's even a couple of cold plunges. So even though Veta is actually not part of Horseshoe Resort, if you're visiting the resort, it's definitely a must to also go to Veta Spa. Have you been to Fern Resort by any chance? No. No. So Fern Resort is near Aurelia, and it kind of reminds me of the resort in the movie Dirty Dancing. Do you remember that? Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's totally gives me those vibes. It's an all-inclusive resort and they call it that because they offer three meals a day in their dining room and these menus change daily. So it's one of those experiences where you go, you pay a package fee and then you know everything's covered, which is great. They have a large pool, a beach. It is one of those resorts that really does have something for everyone. And then if you're kind of like me and love spas, you can also just tailor your vacation resorting getaway around the spa. So there's the JW Marriott, the Rosso Muskoka on the shores of Lake Rosso. It offers the Hydra Spa, which is this beautiful spa with beautiful views. Um, they have all the spa treatments, but they also have access to this beautiful pool outdoor area with hot and cold circuits. So for example, you can go in the sauna and then uh, take a plunge in the pool, or you can go in the hot tubs. You can even get a massage on the pool deck. And then one more uh, spa resort that's worth mentioning is St. Anne's Spa in Grafton. So it's about 60 to 90 minutes from the GTA. It's an all-inclusive destination spa where um, the packages include accesses to their um, facilities and uh, dining. They also give you an allowance towards their uh, wellness classes and spa treatments, but it has this beautiful 1800s heritage fieldstone castle with a variety of accommodations from cottages and suites and it's one of those places that you can stay all day in 
a bathrobe and nobody will judge you and you can really embrace your spa hair and uh, just relax. So a great resource for resorts in Ontario is literally Resorts in Ontario. It's an organization that lists tons of different resorts available to you and you can search by the kinds of activities that you want to do or even locations of the province. My mind is already there. <laughs> right? I am already <laughs> at the spa. I was in the bathrobe and the messy hair. Right? And I'm like, all right, like, we're yep, going. You had me at bathrobe and messy hair. <laughs> I know, right? Now, okay, I'm going to I'm going to be upfront and say, you know when you go to grade 7 and 8, you have the yeah, PXS when those, you go. Yeah. Ones, yeah. <laughs> so camping. <laughs> I haven't been able to get into my inner camper yet. Even glamping, I've heard of it. I've been curious about it. So Lisa, I was wondering if you could, you know, convince me help me out in terms of uh, the, the camping world and the glamping world if you will sure um there's tons of camping opportunities in ontario from privately owned campgrounds um, a lot of uh, privately owned glamping locations where you're actually sleeping in this beautifully decorated um, prospector's tent um, there's a place in oro that actually has stargazing domes so these are really kind of cool glamping experiences where you don't want to, you know, get all dirty and um, setting up tents and sleeping on the ground. Um, but if you are into that kind of stuff, um, Ontario Parks has over 330 parks all across the province where you can go camping, of course. Um, you can take day trips, you can do hiking, you can do biking. Um, I'll start with their camping. A um, hundred of those 330 parks have camping facilities that you can access campsites by car or even if you're into sort of that backcountry wilderness campsite uh, camping, they, they offer campsites that you can access by foot or, um, you know, portaging a canoe. Um, and if you're an avid camper, you know how easy it is to book your site online. And Ontario Parks now has a great section on their website that will suggest various parks if your favorite park happens to be booked. So for example, um, when Algonquin Park is full because it's a popular and well-known park, it recommends trying Lake St. Peter, which is just located outside of Algonquin Park. So it has a lot of the same features. You, you can explore it by watercraft or by foot. There's electric and waterfront campsites, even have a sandy beach. So for those campers who are listening and get frustrated sometimes when their favorite locations aren't available, uh, the Ontario Park Parks website is great because they'll recommend something similar in the area. And you know what, if you're not into camping at all, but you do like the idea of going to provincial parks, 55 Ontario parks offer day use. So that's for biking, hiking, uh, swimming in the lake, relaxing on the beach, even if you want to have a picnic. Um, all you have to do is reserve a daily vehicle permit up to five days in advance, and it covers all of the passengers in your one vehicle. So you can book this online, um, and most permits are available from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m., um, and each park has its own operating hours, and all that information can be found at ontarioparks.com. So it it is really one of those truly Ontario experiences visiting these Ontario parks, whether you're going to camp there or just go and, and enjoy one of the thousands of hiking trails they have available. I feel like people just forget how many resources we've got right here yeah. at home and so close to home. Like you're just naming off all these places. I'm like, I feel like we've discovered everywhere, but what's right Ontario. in our own backyard. Yeah, it's true. And you know what? Destination Ontario has super knowledgeable and very passionate travel counselors that can help you with your summer planning needs. And it's all free. They can create a personalized itinerary. They can literally say, here's some destinations. Here's how you can get there. Here's local transportation options when you're there. Here's some activities and then where to stay. And the closest one to York region would be um, the Barry Center on Mapleview Drive East, just off of Highway 400. 
So it's one of these resources that not a lot of people know about. It's free. And if you are trying to find the perfect getaway or the perfect day trip, um, it's really worth tapping into um, these Ontario travel information services just to learn more about what you can do and where you can go. And one of those resources is that free travel counseling, right? I mean, that's probably one of the ones it's like, if you don't even know where to start, you just give them a Mm -hmm. topic and they'll just sort of ramble off all the points that you need and maybe even some of the things you didn't even think about to ask. Move over, chat GPT. Right? Exactly. No, it is such a great resource. And of course, our website, DestinationOntario.com, has so many itineraries and trip routes mapped out. So if you don't actually want to speak to somebody just yet, you want to do your research first, definitely hit out that website. I just have to mention something I found really cute on there the other day. They actually have um, an article, or we actually have an article on our website, for the best ice cream parlors in Ontario. So if you're thinking up, Talk to me, Lisa. I know, right? <laughs> so, I mean, if you're going to different areas of the province already, you, you can go to DestinationOntario.com, look up this ice cream parlor article, and search by that region. And, you know, for example, if you're going to Toronto, you, it'll tell you to go to Ed's Real Scoop or Bang Bang Ice Cream and Bakery on Ossington. So I just thought that was super fun. Nothing screams summer like ice cream. And so the website has all sorts of resources at DestinationOntario.com. And another thing that they feature is culinary trails. So there's a butter tart trail and an apple pie trail and a beer and cheddar trail. So there's all these trails available in Ontario that, you know, have are self-guided driving routes where you have an interactive map online and you can say, okay, you know what, of these 20 stops on this trail, we're going to go visit this one, this one, and this one. And you can really plan out a really neat adventure. Before we let you go, if you had, I don't know if you're gatekeeping this for yourself, but if you have one little hidden gem that you think Ontarians must visit this summer, what would you say that is? One place that I feel I always enjoy visiting, believe it or not, is Sudbury, Ontario, because it has the Science Centre, or sorry, a Science North. Its downtown is really um, evolving its culinary scene. So there's a lot of independent restaurants, which are amazing. And it's one of those cities that nobody really visits anymore. Amazing. I, I'm excited. I'm already, uh, I've got wait. the gears turning. I'm just planning already in mm-hmm. my head. Lisa Sefton from Destination Ontario. And if our listeners want to check it out, check everything out that you guys have to offer. I know you've been mentioning it, but let's just mention it one more time. Mm-hmm. That's right. Our website is DestinationOntario.com. Thank you, Lisa. Discovery, the radio show for podcasters, exclusive to 105.9 The Region. Expand your audience and extend your reach. Send us your podcast, info at 1059theregion.com.